Good morning again, church. It is, uh, again, an honor and a pleasure to to, uh, deliver a message from the Holy Word this morning. Um, I want to talk about uh, hindsight and, uh, you know, the clarity that comes with with hindsight. Um, It goes back to the the saying, you know, hindsight is 20-20. Um, but why is hindsight 2020? Why is, um, you know, being able to look back and, and see things clear, clearer than when they were actually occurring? Um, how does that work? And, I, and I'm not, you know, a philosopher by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, what I can tell you is, and what we all know, is that uh, when we look into the past, when we look um, certainly in past experiences in our lives, we get the full scope of a couple things. We get the full scope of the things that led up to the event. Um, we get uh, the, uh, the context, if you will. Um, and we also get the, the benefit of looking at the ramifications of our choice. Uh, but one thing that uh, also um, we get when we, you know, or is attributed to this hindsight or the clarity of hindsight is we're beyond the, uh, the situation itself. Our, our blood pressure is lower. Um, we are not uh, overly emotional. Um, we can somewhat look at things a little bit more objectively when we look back on prior experiences. And that is the, the beauty of the Old Testament scripture. That's the beauty of of really the entire book of the Bible from Genesis to, to Revelation. While, yes, there are some things that have yet to occur, um, in uh, uh, certainly in the New Testament, certainly in the book of Revelation, there are things that we have yet to experience. Um, but as it pertains to you know the, the statement in the Scripture that the Old Testament was written for our learning, really gives us the benefit of hindsight and the clarity of hindsight. We get to see the context. We get to see the moment in which the decision was made. We get to see the, the ramifications of that choice. All without the, uh, the pollution of emotion um, and anxiety and, and uh, uh, adrenaline, if you will, coursing through our veins or, or being in the moment. Um, I think about uh, you know me as Thomas Garner um, in those moments. Uh, back in the book of Matthew, when when Jesus was being led down the street, you know the uh, the political uh, satire of the day was that uh, you know this country bumpkin from Galilee was coming into Jerusalem, trying to set forth his own version of Judaism, and I'm speaking in the context of from the context of the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, um, and. He's going about performing magic tricks um, and, and unexplained uh, works of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'll just leave it at that, with, with all due respect and honor to my Lord and Savior. Um, but speaking from their vantage point, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe the politics of the day, um, all the things that were being said, you know, these, you know, these, um, you know, these, I would say, um, mosaic apologeticists who were 
looking back at the Mosaic Law and saying, well, according to this prophecy and according to that prophecy, he could be uh, the Messiah. And others saying, no, 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 he's, he's not wearing the right color jacket um, per the prophecy. So he can't be the Messiah. Um, obviously, they didn't have billboards and those things, but I can imagine that uh, as was custom for the Jews having to go to the um, to the uh, the place of worship, the temple, um, you know, on the Sabbath day, um, that uh, that all the priests, the, the the Pharisees, the Sadducees at that time who did not believe certainly were, you know, proclaiming that, you know, we need to be wary of 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 sheep and wolf or wolves and sheep's clothing, you know, all of those things. And then getting to the point where they arrest Jesus, would you, would I be caught up in the emotion of the event and be out there yelling vitriol to the only begotten son of God at that moment? But as I said, we get the benefit of hindsight. Um, but the power of hindsight and the power of uh, using the, the, te the, the Old and the New Testament, certainly for our learning and, and for our spiritual growth, is we have to use that hindsight. We have to glean the lessons from that hindsight and try not to repeat those same mistakes. Um, if, you have, if you have your Bibles this morning, um, please turn to First uh, Kings the uh, the 11th chapter and um, as you know as, as most of you are aware I, I have three kids and I, I would say I don't know maybe it's not every parent but certainly me as a parent one of the things that uh, um, I have done you know when I look back at pictures of them when they were you know younger and so forth and so on I think you know what I wish I could go back and do that better. Or I wish I wasn't so, I don't know, uh, so wound up and, and um, stressed out, be, you know, thinking about money, thinking about mortgage, thinking about this, that, and the other. And I wish I would have spent a little bit more time enjoying my children um, while they were younger, or I wish I had spent a little bit more time um, doing um, camping or or fishing or traveling with my family. And and I and I would imagine that uh, uh, those of us who are parents maybe have had similar thoughts when looking back at pictures of of the kids and and the wives or the husbands or whatever the case may be in younger years, just thinking, man, that was a that was a wasted opportunity. If I could go back, knowing what I know now, I would have done that or this entirely differently. Um, and I, and if you go back and, and we'll get to the scripture here, but just bear with me a few moments. Um, I've been told that that's an unhealthy exercise. You know, you, you can't change the past, um, so, so don't fret about it. But I got to thinking about what the scripture said again about the Old Testament being for our learning. And if God in his infinite wisdom allowed the Old Testament scripture and all the mistakes of the Hebrews, of the Israelites, and then later the Jews to remain a part of the Holy Bible as it's laid out for us today, 
than the past or reflecting on the past is of value. Yes, I, yes, my kids are older, and yes, I would have liked to have done things differently, but I still have time while it exists today. And what lessons can I learn from the past that can change my present and that will have a positive impact on my future? And in First Corinthians, First Kings, rather, the eleventh chapter, um, I reflect upon the wisest man that lived, and you know I've always kind of given myself a a, a convenient out that you know I'm I'm a better man today, um, I'm a more knowledgeable and wise man today than I was yesterday, um, and that is somewhat of a cop out because I would say that uh, um, the same basic principles that that guide my life today. I knew those same basic principles back then. And I get to uh, the example of Solomon. Solomon, as you know, when he was a young man, he was given um, uh, given the throne of the nations of Israel and Judah. Um, they were actually a unified kingdom called Israel, um, and then later divided into two. Um, he was, uh, he asked for, for wisdom, not just spiritual wisdom, um, or rather, he asked for um, the wisdom to righteously judge and, and to guide his people. God gave him that spiritual wisdom and then all wisdom. Um, um, he gave him all of the tools needed to, to not just rule his people, but also be a good leader in his house. But I'm, I'm perplexed, and I'm sure you may have been when you read First Kings the eleventh chapter and verse number one, where it says "but," and the, you know, whenever a sentence starts off with the word "but," I think, "Oh boy, um, this can't be good." But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And we all know the story that uh, in his quote-unquote love for the women in his life, it, it led him astray. It led him to uh, worshiping different goddesses and, and, and other gods. And as it says in verse number 6 of this same chapter, And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. And I, man, I, I David was... Um, a man after God's own heart. Um, we know that uh, Jesus, or sorry, not Jesus, but God um, wrote that in the New, Te New Testament scripture. Um, David was a, a, a man who, um, who had his faults, who certainly made his mistakes, but, but always kept his, his finger in his eyes and, and his, uh, a, a part of himself rooted in pleasing God. But what did what did David not teach Solomon? You know, if 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 David um, had lived up to this point, or if, if David um, were able to to read these words and see what became of his son, what would David say? 
I think David would say what we would all say if we saw one of our children um, fall into unrighteousness or fall into a pattern that certainly um, is not agreeable to the eyes of God, certainly was not practiced in the house, certainly was not something that um, was encouraged when they were a child. But David being here, um, or Solomon rather being here, it's, it says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord and, and went not fully after the Lord as David his father did, but Solomon had all of the wisdom, but guess what he lacked? He lacked hindsight. He lacked the, the moment to, to look back and maybe not looking back at all the mistakes he made, but maybe even going further and looking back at the mistakes of his father and learning from them. One of the mistakes that, that David made was, and, and we all know this, was he was a man of war. And as God told him, uh, David's soul, uh, one of David's great missions in life was to build a temple of worship for God in Jerusalem. But God did not allow him to do that because he had shed much blood. And David passed on this to his son Solomon. He said, son, I can't do this because God um, has found me unfit to do so. This charge has been passed on to you. So Solomon did that. He built a temple. But yet and still, we find here in 1 Kings, the 11th chapter, that he built other temples for all of his strange wives and concubines, for their gods and to their gods. It says in 1 Kings, the 11th chapter, um, and uh, um, uh, verse number 9, it says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And he commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto uh, Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in the days I will not do notwithstanding the days I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. And before I get into the, the nit and gritty of of uh, of God's condemnation of Solomon's actions. Um, we all know the passage of Scripture, right? Which is, you know, to bring up a, uh, a child in, in the way that he should go and he will never depart from it. Um, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. Um, I think back on, you know, my, my, uh, my times in, in rearing my young kids and they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not telling them something that they don't already know. Um, they're all sitting here in front of me looking at me um, with smirks on their faces. Um, but they're not perfect. Um, and I would say part of that is because in some instances, I may have wavered in my obligation to uh, 
commit them to righteous living and the fact that I let some things pass. I let some things go. There are some things that I still wrangle with that I thought, you know what, I shouldn't nip that in the bud when they were six years old and I wouldn't have this issue today. And I think about David and his possible interactions with his son Solomon, such that Solomon, Solomon fell victim to the, uh, to the sins of the flesh in that he committed fornication and adultery with 700 or excuse me, 300 concubines. And the fact that he had 700 wives. What did David not nip in the bud back then? I don't know that. But if he had the ability of hindsight, he would, he would be able to clearly see the error of his way and correct it while he had the time in the present um, and possibly impact the future. So I go forward even more so um, with uh, God's, again, condemnation of, of Solomon here, where he says that I will rend the kingdom from you, not all the kingdom, um, and actually I won't rend it from you, I'll rend it from your son, uh, Rehoboam, and I won't take all the kingdom, I'll just take part of it. So if you go forward in uh, 1 Kings uh You'll see there that uh, Rehoboam um, was made king in chapter 12. And one of the interesting things that you will see here is that um, um, and actually we'll we'll look at 1 Kings, the 12th chapter, starting at verse number 4. It says, uh, verse number 3, I apologize. That, uh, that they sent and called him and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam saying this. So this is the congregation coming to the, uh, the newly crowned king uh, of the, the nation of Judah. <clears throat> uh, Rehoboam and, and saying, hey, these, I, I, we need to air our grievances. And the grievance was this in verse number four. That father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he had which he put upon us lighter and we will serve thee. And he said unto them depart yet for 3 days then come again to me and the people departed. And king Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived and said how do ye advise that I may answer these people? And here's the thing that is beautiful about the hindsight or the clarity of hindsight is that while Solomon was not alive, the men that advised him were alive and they had the ability, they had the gift of hindsight and the clarity of hindsight. It says in verse number 7 of First Kings, First uh, Kings, the 12th chapter, it says, And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and wilt serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, they will be thy servants forever. How do, I know, how do they know this? Again, these were the same men that told Solomon to build all of these magnificent things, to, um, to, 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 to waste his money, with building fountains and gardens. How do I know this? Because you can go back and you can look in the book of, a, of Ecclesiastes 
on how Solomon spent his money. Um, in that book, he says that whatever his heart wanted, he gave it to his heart. And these were the same men that were advising Solomon in those days. But with hindsight and the ability of hindsight, these aged men, these older men, they had wisdom at this time. And they said, hey, serve the people first and they will serve you forever. But what did Solomon not teach his son, Rehoboam? What, uh, what opportunity was missed? What lesson was not communicated? Even though Solomon had all wisdom, what did he fail to do? Well, he failed to tell Rehoboam, Son, listen to my words and heed them. Because if you don't, you're going to fall into the same traps same circumstances and make the same mistakes that I did. In verse number 8, First uh, Kings, the 12th chapter, it says, And he forsook, and this is Rehoboam, it says, And he forsook the, the counsel of the old men which they had given him, and consulted with the young men who did not have the ability of hindsight. It says, He consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, which stood before him, and he said unto them, What counsel give ye that we may answer this people whom have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. And you know, young men, you know, rash and emotional as they may be, the young men that, that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make it thou lighter unto us, that thou shalt say unto us, Make little finger, and say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. <laughs> Can you imagine young people making this, this statement of pride and arrogance? Absolutely. He goes on to say, And now whereas my father did lay you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as, as was appointed, and they heard these words. And it leads to a revolt. Half of the kingdom revolts against King Rehoboam, the, the son of the wise King Solomon, the son of of the well-to-do King David. And they revolted and they made Jeroboam their king. Thus fulfilling the promise and the prophecy of God to Solomon. I go back to the uh, scripture reading. Um, I believe that was... Proverbs, the uh, 10th chapter, starting at verse number 1. And uh, we know that uh, Proverbs was written by the same man, Solomon. For it says right here in, in this verse, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. And what is wisdom? 
you know that uh, Proverbs tells us what wisdom is. You know, in in the very first chapter, um, you know the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Um, even more so, he says, "My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother." In the, in the very first chapter, um, it talks about wisdom and, and understanding. It says in, in the second chapter of the book of Proverbs, um, to seek wisdom, to incline thine ears unto wisdom. Um, in verse number four of the book of Proverbs, in verse number one, it says, Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father, and tend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom Get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Verse number 7, it says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. You know, a wise son makes a glad father. You know what a wise son should do? Is, is look at... Or listen to certainly keep the keep that uh, keep their ears ever open to learning about hindsight. You know, I share stories with uh, with Thomas the Third all the time, um, and you know these aren't stories. I I say some of the stories certainly are not stories that <laughs> are are good. They are not praiseworthy. Any stretch of the imagination, but I share these stories nonetheless because I don't want to look back on a picture of Thomas, um, you know, on, on a picture of his while well, he's 16, he's 16 today, but I don't want to look back at a picture when he is 30 and think, you know what, man, I wish I would have told my son at age 16, you know, this lesson or shared with him this wisdom or, or this thought or this experience, and maybe. If I had done that, that would have, you know, <clears throat> had a, a huge impact on his present and also have a huge impact on his future. And that's what the beauty of hindsight does. And that's the reason why we should not uh, be afraid of looking back. We should not be afraid to share our experiences that we've had in the past. Because it is through our sharing of wisdom to our children that they will, as it says here in, in Proverbs, the 10th chapter, make us all glad and avoid being a, a, a source of heaviness, a source of grief, a source of despair to their mothers. You know, the, the book <clears throat> tells us um, certainly that we are to study. We are to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, a man uh, that need not be ashamed, rightly, diverted, rightly dividing, excuse me, the word of God. 
Study is huge. It's very important. That's the reason why we have, even though we are not bound by the Old Testament Scripture, it gives us insights. It gives us lessons. It grants us the wisdom of hindsight to be able to avoid making similar mistakes in our own lives. In every situation where you reflect upon the Old Testament Scripture, it is God literally saying, Listen, son or daughter. Heed unto the words of the Father and get understanding and keep them. Keep my commandments, son and daughter, and ye shall live. And I can imagine God speaking every single one of those words to each and every one of us every single time we look back in the Old Testament and read about all the mistakes, the challenges, the shortcomings, uh, the victories and the failures of those in the Old Testament Scripture. We are no different than the Hebrews. We are no different than the Israelites. We are no different than the Jews that stood on the side of the street throwing rocks and, and spouting words of vitriol and hate to our Lord and Savior as He is led through the street with a crown of thrones on His head to his final destination, his crucifixion on the, uh, in Golgotha, outside the city gates. We are those people. But we are different because we have this beautifully bound book. And the power of this book, the wisdom that is contained in this book, to be able to go back again with hindsight and see things clearly, and with that clarity, use that information to affect our present and change our future. So if you're here this morning and there's maybe something has been said. If you're a father or a mother and you have children in your life, um, regardless of their age, I know sister, brother and sister Bill have uh, their daughter in the room and their son-in-law in the room. They're uh, in their upper 60s. Guess what? They're still your child. And guess what? You still have an opportunity to share words of wisdom. Guess what? You still have an opportunity to impart wisdom and knowledge. Guess what? You still have the ability to use hindsight. Not for your benefit, maybe, but for their benefit. For the little children or for those who are sons and daughters. When your parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, when, when older people come up to you and say, Hey, listen, young buck, I've been there, I've done that. You should not take that path. Listen to them. Don't be like Rehoboam, who did not take advantage of the hindsight and the wisdom of those old men, but decided, you know what, I'm going to listen to my friends. I'm just going to continue this perpetual cycle of sin and transgression and failure. So if you're here this morning and these words have convicted your heart in any way, shape, or form, if, if there is a fault that you need prayer of strength to overcome, um, we will sing a song and immediately afterwards the floor will be yours. Um, again, if, we, if there are... If there, if there are the, if there's someone on this call who is not a member of the body of Christ, 
as uh, as uh, as Brother Marzette said in our our radio advertisement, um, as has been communicated in the Book of Romans, there is a form of doctrine that one must obey in order to be saved. Um, that form of doctrine um, has to be the form that's written in the New Testament Scripture. As, as Paul wrote in the book of Galatians, is if there is any other form of doctrine other than what is written in this book, it is accursed. It is not the truth. It cannot save. It can only damn someone to everlasting uh, suffering in the lake of fire and brimstone. There is only one form of doctrine that is able to save one's soul, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ tells us that uh, Jesus, as the only begotten Son of God, came to this earth to, uh, to establish His church, establish that one body that's written of in the book of Ephesians. Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ tells us that it is only through Him that one can get to the Father. The gospel of Jesus Christ also tells us that one must hear of the Word, the oneness of the body, the oneness of hope, the oneness of God, the oneness of baptism, um, the oneness of the sacrifice uh, that Jesus made on that cruel cross of Calvary. One must hear it, one must believe it, one must repent of their, uh, of their their way of life, and, and we've talked about the process of repentance in great detail, but in summary, it is a rejection of living for yourself and an acceptance of living for God and for Christ. One must confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God with the expectation that when you stand before the judgment seat of God that Jesus will make that same profession of faith uh, of you before his Father. One must be baptized, as it states in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, to be remiss of one's sins, to be made whole, uh, to be made holy, rather, to be made pure, um, to have their, their stained garments washed and be made white. And in the process of doing that, uh, they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the thing that will keep them in communication, keep them um, in line with God if, if, if they choose to follow after it. It is also the seal that you and I are children of God, and it gives us admission if we live faithfully until death to that new Jerusalem, um, that place called heaven that we all desire to be in, um, at the end of our days. So again, the lesson is yours. If you have the urgent need to do so, again, after the Song of Invitation, the floor will be yours. Thank you very much.